Uh, we've actually been doing a series, and it's the last message of the series. We'll be doing the next chapter series. And we're actually asking ourselves, well, what are some values? Before we move into the building, what are some values that we want to transfer from, from here as we are now that is unchanging? We want to transfer over to the church that will still be unchanging. And so we've been going through this past few weeks about values that, that, we, that, that we as a church want to keep. Because there are things that's going to change once we move into a building. But these are the things that we do not want to change. And so we ask ourselves, well, what are things that over this past few weeks, as Kevin has been preaching, what are things we, we do not want to change? And so I get to talk about one of the things that we do not want to change is our witness to the world. Okay, that's, that's a value we want to keep. That's a value we want to grow in. That's a value we want to, we want to spread and, 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 and be strong in, basically. And uh, so, yeah, so that's what I'm going to talk about today. But before we do so, let's, let's pray and then we'll actually dive in. Lord, thank you for this, uh, for your word. Thank you for um, this message that I'm about to preach. God, I, I can only bring the message to the mind, but you can take the message from the mind to the heart. And so I pray that uh, you would open up our hearts and our ears that we may hear the word of God. And you would open up my mouth that I may speak. It says, thus is the Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I, you know, growing up in South Africa, I'm originally from South Africa. And uh, I actually grew up in South Africa. And growing up in South Africa, our witness to the world, uh, we predominantly witnessed to the world through the preaching of the gospel. In other words, we would preach wherever we can. We'd preach on trains. And you sit in a train and you go into work. There would be somebody just walking up in the aisle with a, a, a Bible, preaching constantly back and forth uh, to the areas. We would preach even in people's houses. Okay, strangers would come to the house, they would knock on the door and say, hey, can we have a service in your house? And the service is basically uh, like this here. Like there would be people, there'd be singing, there'd be testimonies, and someone would preach the word, and then there'd be an altar call. That's how they do it. They would knock on the door. In fact, that's how our family got saved. If somebody asked, hey, can we have a service in your house? And a few of the church people came over and they had a whole service. And at the, at the end of that, they they, they they had an altar call. They said, hey, would you love to receive God uh, into your heart? Would you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And my mother said, yes. And then my mother led us as well to the thing. So preaching the gospel is, was central. In fact, the predominant place the people preached the gospel was actually on the streets. It was on the corner. They would actually just put up some speakers and then they would preach the gospel. In fact, I have a picture of me uh, preaching preaching the gospel here, which... Should come up soon here. There, yeah, there I am. So they would just like sit around and they would just listen to the story of what you ever. Some speakers up there. They are preached with a balloon. Uh, actually, uh, with a Samaritan. Actually, told the story of the Samaritan with a balloon. Now you're probably thinking like, what? Yes. Uh, so yeah, it was a great sermon. We had several people raise their hands, and so we would. Yeah, you, you, you usually wouldn't have a crowd like that. Sometimes there would be a few, there would be a lot and whatever. But that's the prominent way. In fact, there would be more evangelists than pastors. You know, you would ask somebody, uh, what do you do in the church? They would say, I'm an evangelist. They wouldn't necessarily say a pastor because they loved preaching the gospel. Any time or any turn, they would preach the gospel, they would do so um, to anybody and anybody uh, that they would actually see. But it was not until I came to America that I saw things were a bit different. The, I'm, I actually noticed that America's um, witness to the world was a, was a bit, just a little bit different. In fact, the quote that I, that I heard a lot was, was this. It says, preach the gospel 
at all times, and if necessary, use words. Who's heard that gospel before? I mean, that little quote. Yes, yes, yes. There you go. Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. So the sentiment here is, hey, live your Christian life, but do it so by example. Do it so doing good, good things and good works. In other words, we shouldn't really tell people what and why we believe. They should know it by the way we live. That was more of a priority for the Americans. And that, in a sense, would draw people closer to the gospel. When you go on mission trips, if you know, and mission trips in America, one of the things that you do a lot when you go on mission trips is what? Is good works, right? You build a building, you feed the poor, you do this, you do that. There's hardly any preaching of the gospel in today's mission missionary works. In fact, it's hard to find one uh, mission organization that just goes out and preaches the gospel. And so I began to notice as I was living in America, I began to notice as my, as my 10, 11 years in America, I began to notice there's a sort of a tension between uh, my speech and my action when witnessing to the world. I began to notice there's a, there's a sort of a tension between good, uh, good words and good works. And so then that begs the question then, right? Well, who's right? Who's right? Is the good works right or is the good words right? That begs the question, well, is, is one more important than the other? Begs the question, uh, which one comes first? Begs the question, well, how do I balance the two? And so that's, that's one of the uh, tensions that I found in America. In fact, there's huge, huge debates over it in the, in the scholarly realm as well. Well, today, in, in, in today's sermon, I'll have to answer those questions. And we're going to look at each one separately. And then we're going to come to a conclusion at the end. So let's look at the first one. Is the church called to share the gospel through good works? That's the question I want to answer first. Is the church called to share the gospel through good works? Let's look at Matthew 5, verses 14. This is what it says. It says, you are the light of the world. Jesus speaking uh, to his disciples and on the Sermon on the Mount. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to the what? To the whole house. And so in the same way, Jesus says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds or that they may see your good works and glorify God in heaven. And so is the church called to share the gospel through good works according to that verse? Yes. Yes. Resoundingly, yes. And so Christians are called here in this verse. It says that Christians are the light of the world. In, in a world that is shrouded in darkness. We are called to be the light of the gospel through good works. It says towards the end. Through good works. And so by, by becoming a follower of Christ, we reflect that light. Okay, because Christ is the light. And so we allow the light of Christ within us to sort of shine out so that people may see it. So, for example, when I am merciful, okay, I reflect God's mercy. And people see that. Or when I am uh, forgiving of somebody, I reflect God's forgiveness. And then people see that. Or when I am caring or when I'm loving, I reflect who God is. And so when they see our light, they see basically God's light. 
Or when they see our works, they see God's works. And so when they see that, they praise God. They praise him. Because they see his good works and his light when we do our work. And so people begin to praise the light. They don't begin to praise the lamp. Because we are that lamp going out and doing good works. And so that's extremely important that we give attention not to ourselves, but to God himself who is in us. And that's our purpose, which is to bring attention to the light. To bring attention to God. And so that when they see God, when they see the mercifulness of us, the forgiveness of us, the caring, the loving kindness of us through our actions, all of a sudden they begin to give God glory because all of a sudden they begin to see who he is. And that's the whole purpose of our living. You know, before I came over to South Africa, I worked in an organization called Living Hope. Um, it was actually started by a South African uh, by the name of John Thomas. And uh, he was a pastor at a Baptist church, um, which it was in Cape Town. But it all started actually, he actually started this organization called Living Hope. But it all started with an incorrect statistic. In the late 1990s, uh, somebody came to him and said, incorrect statistic about HIV and AIDS. Um, somebody come to him, came to him and said that the infection rate in the village, which was just across the street from the church, they said the HIV rate was 44%. It was actually 17%, but he didn't know that at that time. But all of a sudden, he was, he was shocked. There's a village right across the street from us, and the infection rate of HIV and AIDS is 44%. That's almost half of the population in that village. And he threw himself, how could that be? And it was that, that statistics that sort of moved him into action. It moved him into action because he thought to himself, how could it be that such a pandemic across the street of our church? How is the church a light in the village shrouded in darkness and fear? How far does our light stretch? How great is our influence that it cannot reach across the street? And so ever since 1999, he built an organization called Living Hope. And Living Hope's main purpose is to spread the good news of the gospel in a life-changing way. And, they, and so they do this through prevention, they do this through care, they do this through treatment, and they do this through community development. And this has sort of changed the village and their surrounding opportunity because he, he, he suddenly noticed that we're not only here to preach the gospel, but we're here to do good works. Because my words can only reach thus far. I want, to, I want you to watch a video here of John Thomas and how he's going to explain the importance of uh, sharing the gospel through good works. And then I'll jump back to our message here. A great story is told about Mother Teresa. A young man went to work with her on the streets of Calcutta and there he was tending to the poor and the homeless. And after a couple of days, along comes Mother Teresa and he was so excited. And she said to him, say young man, why have you come here? 
And he looked at this little old lady as though like, woman, don't you know? I'm here to take care of the poor and the needy. And she looked at him and said, young man, wrong reason, go home. And he was flabbergasted. He said, all around me are the poor and the needy. What do you mean wrong reason? She said, if you have not come here to love Jesus, you will fry. But if you've come here to love Jesus, you will find him dressed in the distressing disguise of the poor. You see, because Jesus said in Matthew 25, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. As you start to work with the poor and the needy, you will find Jesus in a new way. You will find him dressed in the distressing disguise of the poor. We seek to take people who have no hope and introduce them to Jesus so that they become people of dignity and self-worth so they can say, the Lord is my hope. One, two, one, two. Yeah, oh, thank you. Uh, I, th I thought that video could illustrate it better than anybody else, but many people don't know this. Uh, it was through that organization that I met my wife, Rebecca. And uh, if, if that organization probably wouldn't have started, I probably wouldn't have met her. And then I probably wouldn't have had my kids. And then I probably wouldn't have been here. And I probably wouldn't have shared the gospel and so forth and so forth. In other words, doing good works spreads, does great fruit and multiplies in many ways which we cannot see. And so sometimes when we meet people's needs, it actually does in that way. But now that we've answered the question that is the church called to share the gospel through good works? Yes. But is the church called to share the gospel through using words? And Mark 16 verses 15 says, he said to them, Jesus said to the disciples, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So therefore we can answer according to this verse, in scripture and many others, the answer is, well, resounding yes. Hopefully it shouldn't be a shock. But, um, you know, God, according to that verse, God calls and sends us into the world, you know, near and far. He calls us to our neighbors next door and he calls us to, to even go over to other countries as well. And he calls us to preach the gospel. The gospel that states that we are sinners. The gospel that states that we are in need of a savior. The gospel that states that uh, that Jesus Christ came to pay that price, sacrificing his life on the cross and therefore took the penalty on the cross and therefore invites us into an eternal life and relationship with him, God as well, or God the Father. And therefore he implores us to receive him. And so if you do not know Christ here 
as your Savior, if you've never um, accepted him as your Lord and Savior, I implore you to do so. Right here, right now, we'll have at the end of our service, we'll have someone to pray for you as well. But the truth of the matter is, if we're really honest, we lose courage, don't we? We lose courage to share this great news of the gospel. Heck, even me. Me as well. No, I'm in seminary. I, I know a lot. But even I sometimes lose courage to share the gospel to somebody, a stranger, or even sometimes my family members as well. And we lose courage because sometimes we don't want to offend someone. We don't. Because we know the gospel is pretty offensive. And it is. Think about it. You're telling somebody who, hey, you're going to be heading to hell unless you admit that you're a sinner and you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We're telling somebody that, that they are sinners and that they need to admit it. And who wants to tell them that? Who wants to tell somebody that they're a sinner? The gospel is offensive. And it makes people awkward. And even the conversation is awkward too. Especially when you see um, how they respond to it. But sometimes we lose courage in sharing the gospel because we don't want to be rejected by our family and friends. That's true as well. We don't want to think that our friends to think that we Jesus freaks. That we, uh, we live in this high top or we all talk about Jesus, 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 Jesus the whole time. But sometimes we also lose courage because we feel that um, we feel that we are inadequate of sharing the gospel. Like if people, you know, when you, sh- when you share the gospel, you think, man, I just don't know enough about the gospel. But what if they come back with questions like, hey, you believe the world was really created in six days, really? Oh, wow, you really think, you really believe the Bible that says um, all the animals got put into an ark? Really? Oh, really, a woman got pregnant all by herself? Really? And so we shy away and we, and we sort of back off. But we don't realize that, you know, sometimes sharing our testimony is a, is a powerful work of the gospel as well. But it's an other information that we feel we're not equipped for it sort of tints, it moves us back and we think, ah, ah maybe not now. I, I'm, not, I'm just not prepared to answer those questions, so I'm going to shy back a bit. And so we pull back. We don't want to share this great and wonderful news, which God clearly desires us to share. But you see there's, there's a slight dilemma. There's a problem. And the problem is this, that without hearing the gospel, people will not be saved. They will not be saved. Look at Romans 10 verses 13 to 15. This is what it says. It says, for everyone, Paul writing to the Romans, he says, for everyone who is calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You see, this verse is actually saying that everybody's sent. You know, like a, like a king sends a, sends a messenger not to speak his own words, but the words of the king. And then we speak those words of the king. In other words, we preach the words. 
and the person hears the words, that's the verse says, and then the person believes, and then the person calls on the name of the Lord. So as Christians who have experienced the grace of the gospel, we are called to sort of bring people to a place where they can call on the name of the Lord. And the only way to bring people to a place, according to this verse, where they call upon the name of the Lord is to preach the gospel. It's to speak it with words. But I love that part of the verse, the end, where it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know, in uh, biblical times, you know, they didn't have cars, they didn't have trains, they didn't have airplanes. And so people would walk hundreds of miles, you know, to share the gospel from village to village to village to village to village. And so after this long journey, their feet would be dirty, their feet would be worn, their feet would be hard, it'd be wrinkled, it'd be scathed, but most importantly, it'd be stinky. So in other words, the part of the body that, that suffered the most in preaching of the gospel was the feet. And so therefore, it had to endure much to bring good news. So I believe that the point of this passage is really that the bringing of good news and the people who bring good news are precious people because they endure much. They are beautiful because they have worn out bodies in service of the king. And so we endure rejection. That's how suffering, we endure rejection. We endure being hated and be called many things. We, we endure being alienated from our family and friends in preaching the gospel. We endure hardships. We endure suffering. We endure all those things in service of who? In service of the king. And so because we are called to deliver a message, to bring people to a place where they can call in the name of the Lord. And when they call in the name of the Lord, according to this verse, they will be saved. That's a promise. So now that we've answered the, the, the two questions, is the church called to share the gospel using good words? Yes. Is the church called to, to share the gospel through good works as well? Yes. And so through the sermon, we, we found these things to be true. Both good words, God calls us to share the gospel through that, and God calls us to share the gospel through good works as well. Because when we do both, that's an end, right? When we do both, we speak loudly, and we speak effectively, and we speak biblically. And so the church is called to share the gospel in both good works, okay, and good words as well. So now the question is, well, how do I balance those two? How do those two um, interrate? Because the, the question is not or, the question is and. And so I need to be doing both. I love uh, Philippians 1 verses 27 says, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. In other words, my actions has a direct influence on the gospel message that I preach. I love J.I. Packer. This is what he says. He says, good works should be visible to back up good words. Say that again. J.I. Packer is a, is a famous theologian. He says, good works should be visible to back up good words. 
The gospel is the message we proclaim, and it's the good news we live in, and we live in the light as well. And so the two should never be at odds. Should never be at odds. There should never be a, a, a tension between the two. Because where, if, if they are at odds, I fear that the gospel is never being truly understood. Whenever good works and good words are at odds, or if there's a tension between those two, then they're never truly understood. So therefore, if they're not understood, then I believe they will not truly be received. Because our whole point is to bring the gospel as clear as possible to people. And so when we do both, we bring it loudly, effectively, and people can understand it the best way as well. And so we must have good works because good works communicates the hope in the midst of times of difficulties. People see that and say, wow, there's, there's hope for me. That's what the guy said I'm there when he, when, when he received the package. He all of a sudden said to himself, man, there's hope for me to live. And so when we do good works, we communicate hope in the midst of difficulties. We communicate hope in the midst of darkness. And we must have good words as well, the preaching of the gospel, because it communicates our explanation for that hope. This is the reason why we do good works. You know, in conclusion, uh, a guy by the name of Robert Smith, another preacher that I, that I really love as well, speaks of proclaiming the gospel in, in word and work. He says it this way. He says, one one who is building bridges of relationship to others is off to a good start in evangelism. Though no gospel presentation has been made, being all things to all men to enhance the presentation of the gospel is, the essential, is essential and part of the success. However, he says, it is also true that if, one only, that if one works only on bridge building and never carries the message over the bridge, perhaps because of their personal failure, such as fear or neglect, then it is, then this is not success. I love that quote. I love what he said that. He's saying that the whole purpose of building the bridge is to carry something across. That's the whole purpose. So if we have not brought the gospel over, over it in some way, our labor is, was spent in vain. But if through the bridge gospel seed, the if through the bridge the, the, the gospel seed is sown, then the bridge was effective. It was truly effective. And so therefore, as a Whisper Community Church, I implore us, as well as myself, that is also struggling in this area, that we go forth, we build bridges in our community at Chaska through good works, so that the words of the king may be delivered across the bridge. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word today. Uh, thank you that we have the opportunity to not only uh, do good works, but we also have the ability to speak good words. And so I pray that those two may never be in tension, God, but I pray that we may work uh, to do both and accomplish both, God, in its due time. Thank you for your message today. May we go forth and obey your word, including myself as well, who preach it. In the name of the power of Jesus Christ. Amen.